Welcome to the Script Bits Podcast for Tuesday, 29th November, 2022. Our bit today comes from Luke 6, 27, which says, But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Well, well, my people, we finally relegated that disturbing day called Monday to the annals of history and are now on a more pleasant day term Tuesday. <laughs> and you know what? Many of God's children said a grateful, thank the Lord. <laughs> Our friends, it's good and thankful to note that we've been granted life to see another blessed day on God's earth, possibly so that we can learn some more about the oh-so-important fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Now, yesterday, we looked at several scriptures that highlighted its importance, and today, we look at a few more. But before we do that, let's read what a commentator, Mary, said in reply to some verses highlighting self-control on the website notconsumed.com, 36 Bible verses about self-control. She says, self-control, a part of inhibitory control, is the power to regulate one's feelings, thoughts, and behavior in the face of strong urges and temptations. As an organizational function, self-control is a necessary cognitive mechanism for regulating one's behavior in order to reach certain objectives in the workplace. With the advancement of technology, it has been easier to access the world around us on the internet. This accessibility has increased the number of people with poor self-control who are not only at work but also at home on the internet and even while driving or when shopping. The result is that there are a large number of people with poor self-control and low self-esteem who are not able to make wise choices in regards to their own self and that of others. There are two schools of thought about self-control. Some believe that self-control prevents against certain kinds of evil, such as stealing and violence, whereas others think that it promotes harmony and increases happiness. According to the latter group of experts, self-control helps increase happiness because it helps participants control their desire to be successful, and this desire results in them being willing to work towards achieving these goals. Self-control is achieved by regulating the following four aspects. Impulse control, intrinsic desire, external influence, and motivation. Although all of these are important, it is the desire to do well that ultimately makes a difference between a good person and a bad person. Executive function is related to the other factors mentioned above in that the absence of self-control can create problems in the workplace and at home. While the absence of self-control can also create problems in interpersonal relationships 
the degree of the problem will depend upon the individuals involved. Whether the problem is with respect to impulse control, external influence or motivation, executive dysfunction is an important problem that can have a major impact on health, wellness, happiness, and achievement. Oh, end of quote. Now, that should certainly help in our understanding of that very important fruit of the Spirit and also in our ongoing fight with the enemy whose avowed purpose is for us to have no self-control. So now, let's check out a few of those scriptures that we spoke about. And the first one that pops up is this verse from the prophet Jeremiah when he informed his people of Judah about an upcoming famine because of their ungodliness. Thus said the Lord unto his people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained or restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit or punish their sins. And that comes from Jeremiah 14.10. And you know what, friends? That description of Judah sounds just like our current society. We have not restrained our feet and have wandered far away from God and have thus become a very rebellious and sinful society. So what else can we expect from Almighty God now eh? but punishment for our sins? That is, unless we repent, turn from our evil ways, and once more acknowledge his sovereignty over our frail and feeble lives. And the scholars offer this interesting explanation of the situation. They say, Jeremiah had been advised not to intercede for his people, and you can find that in chapter 11, verse 14. Yet he cannot help pleading for them despite their wrongdoing of him. And that's something you can also find in chapter 11, verses 18 to 23. He prays for God's mercy on the basis of their being called by thy name, which you can find in verse 9 here. However, God rejects Jeremiah's request in verse 10, reminding him that it is useless to pray for this obdurately sinful people. And you'll find that in verses 11 to 12. For my people, you must know that things are really bad when the Lord twice tells a prophet not to pray for his people. And no doubt he would say the same thing to any prophet who had the church part to pray for us today. Then there's this verse from 1 Peter where in talking about the suffering of Jesus as an example, he tells his readers, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted or beaten for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with or commendable before God. And that comes from 1 Peter 2.20. Yes, friends, that's what Jesus did. Suffered for us, for us without a word of complaint because he knew his purpose and controlled his emotions. Likewise, we ought to know our purpose in Christ and take the good with the bad like he did. 
We all know it's not easy, but with his help, we can achieve it. And the last scriptures we'll peruse today is some more tough stuff. This time from Jesus himself, as he talks about love for enemies, when he says, but I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully or spitefully use you. And unto him that smited thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat or tunic also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. <laughs> yes. And that comes from Luke 6, 27 to 30. Now, if that isn't an extremely tough road to hoe, then I don't know what is now. But that's what Jesus did, and at great cost to himself too. And it's also what he expects from his followers. But to do those very unnatural things, we need to be very self-controlled. That's why I keep mentioning how important self-control is in every aspect of our lives. Now, let's hope that the scriptures and explanations we've gone through over these past two days will help us immeasurably in our walk of faith. And for those of us who are sincerely trying to live for Jesus, Let's go home now declaring. Yes, we spell declaring right. <laughs> Let's go home declaring or choose the mantra. Letting the whole world know to whom we belong, lock, stock, and barrel. As one strong voice, in God's eyes, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. That's who I am. And no one can take that from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with my immediate neighbors as well as with the whole wide world. Glory be. And now, friends, in keeping with those sentiments, let's go out and share the amazing love and friendship of Christ with others now so that they too can come to love and serve him like we do. Much love. And the postscript for today says, without self-control, it is impossible to live for Christ. And that's the gospel truth, my people. If we don't have self-control, we can't live for Christ because we won't, won't do all the things that he expects us to do. So please, let's learn now. Let's read the word pray, talk to each other, and do whatever it takes so that we can develop the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. And we pray that in His Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please have a blessed day, my people. Much love.